1: Hello and welcome to Close Reads on the Circe Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, and as always on Close Reads, I am joined by Angelina, Angelina Angelina Sanford, and Tim McIntosh, and our special guest, Andrew Kern. How's it going, guys? (laughs) (laughs) How soon are we going to tell the non attendees what's going on at this special podcast? You mean how hungry I am? Well, we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about it for a while, so they'll probably figure it out. This is the first annual, first the in the inaugural, the inaugural there Yeah, you go. live uh, ep- live recording of Close Streets. So um, we are sitting in a cavernous room here at the Hyatt in Austin at the 2017 Circe Conference with a live. Uh, are we calling it a studio? Live studio audience? I think it's a live studio. It's a live studio audience. Banquet audience. Ballroom ballroom would you like ballroom. to... an audience. <laughs> now, now when you go, if you're here, when you go to listen to the show, you can try to pick out each of your own claps and cheers. Oh, um, that was me. Yeah. Um, we are here to talk about Brideshead Revisited. We're here. This is our final Brideshead Revisited. Ep- well, it's not our final episode because we're going to do the Q&A, but it is our final discussion of the actual chapters
3: david i wonder if i could start with a quick story about uh one of our po- one of our close reads listeners that i would ordinarily keep off the air but since we're live in front of the
1: close, some close reads listeners i wonder if that would Is be this okay. person currently sitting in this room i believe so well then yes okay <laughs> a week boy, ago is it gonna make fun of them
3: no no then this no. person then comes no. start oh, okay <laughs> A week ago, I went to Seattle to visit uh, my friends Andrew and Marianne and their four children, who are my godchildren. My goddaughter asked me if she could paint my toenails while I was visiting, and I said, so, "Sure, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah." So she brings out her cache of nail polish and she asked me to choose. It was not really a choice she was offering me, but she at least feigned to offer me a choice. So I chose a nice,
1: light teal. You know this is going to tell us a lot about you, what you chose. Oh, yes it is. Okay, good. I chose a nice, light
3: teal that had some sparkles in it, and I thought, I don't have any nail polish remover, so so if I have to walk around in sandals and people see it, it won't be horrible. (laughs) It's not going to be good. But it won't be horrible. But also, so, you
1: don't already have that in your collection. Of I feel like this polish. whole
4: story is a fake backstory for why you have toenail polish on.
1: <laughs> no, it's a real story. It's a real story. Okay, so
3: carry on. I go to the pool yesterday, and my goddaughter actually did not use the light teal paint. She used a streetwalker red. I mean, like fire engine red. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, pale feet. Very masculine, pale feet. And I'm sitting at the pool, and people, you know, from the Searcy conference are starting to show up around Dude, the pool. Dude, it's
4: Austin. No one even blinked.
3: <laughs> but you can imagine, it's, this is not like all the way, like an Austin crowd. This is a Searcy crowd. So I'm sitting there, and I'm actually reading my book. And oh, I've, you're got, my knee, and I've got my better. knees
2: hold up close to me I was Aloysius with you
3: (laughs) (laughs) and I have a towel very appropriately draped over the front of my feet to hide the red
1: (laughs) can I just can I I interrupt you there before you finish anybody who came to this podcast thinking this was going to be like a high literary discussion of a book
3: (laughs) you can leave we won't be offended
1: clearly you've never listened to this show before in that case (laughs)
3: So I'm sitting there trying to kind of cover up these. toes. The toes look terrible. They look awful. <laughs> but I just don't afraid- feel No, 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 no. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm afraid that there's just like going to be like, like some little chatter, you know, after hours. Did you see Tim's toes? Like, what is that? What is he up to? So um, a Close Reads listener came up to me, and there was a conversation. And I said, "Dear Close Reads listener, I've got a little bit of a problem that I'm dealing with," and I explained the situation. Is that and how you, the close is that how you reads, greet all Close yes, Reads? Yes, it is. <laughs> the Close Reads listener said, uh, you know, I can, I can help you with that. I've got some nail polish remover. And so he came back. His name is Gary. <laughs> now, her name was, I think he's okay, her name was Wendy. And so I was able to remove the nail polish courtesy of a Close Reads listener. That's okay, so the what I heard ge- was
4: one of you is getting pedicures. <laughs> and where do I sign up for that? For real? What's your room number? Like.
1: <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad you told that story. <laughs> so, we are we're here to to conclude our conversation of brides Header visited, which we've been how long has it been? Uh, February? No, no, can't be. No. April. April. Um, we're here to talk about the last two chapters of part two. Or part three, depending on which edition you have. Yes, where I am.
4: We'll get
1: the same pagination. Yeah. And uh, see, this is why we do multi-track because then I can take out their nonsense. Well, actually, no. Logan can, out can take them. out their nonsense over here. Uh, and shout out to Logan over there. Stand up, Logan.
3: He's our editor. He's out there? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that.
1: So oh. Logan has been helping us out with some of the editing this summer, and he also loaned me his book. So. Logan's so, coming so through in all kinds talk, of ways. So we should talk,
4: because I feel like I don't get enough air time.
1: <laughs> we have discussions about this kind of stuff. Uh, so we're here to talk about chapters yeah, four and five. Yeah, you should see what she says before the end. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> See, Logan Logan has heard things. Um, That's
4: the Cersei after dark edition. Um,
1: so, so, so we... Um, we're going to talk about that, but first... As always, we need to give a quick shout out to a sponsor. Tim? Oh. What do you got going on this fall?
3: David, thanks for asking. I'll You're be welcome. teaching online for the Scoli Academy. You can find a description of my class, Scoli Academy, at Scoliacademy.com. I'll be teaching four classes, David four. One, two, three, four. What 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 are those on? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> They're all mashups of literature and history. The first is um, ancient Greek and Roman history. The second is medieval and Renaissance literature and history. The third is British and American literature and history. And the fourth is world literature and history. They will be seminar-style classes. Is there like a place people could go to find out more about this too? question. a great a question, And How do you spell there. that?
1: S-C-H-O-L-E academy.com. Yeah. So, uh, truly, thank you to Classical Academic Press and Scole Academy for sponsoring the podcast this summer. Um, the sponsorships do make a difference. They We can make the shows because of them. Um, so, thanks to them for doing that. I don't know if any CAP people are in this room right now. So we can't. But their setup is directly set is across there. the ballroom. So go talk to them tomorrow and thank them for, for uh sponsoring this podcast if you like it. And if not, then take it up with them. Um, but let's let's dive in. Yeah.
4: Okay, so let me tell a story before we start. <laughs> but it's about the book, unlike some people's story. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you know what I've been saying this whole time? Like I can't remember how it ends? Okay, so I read this when I was 19, which was like two days ago, but still, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> read this a long time ago and I could not remember the ending. So the first, this is the same edition I read when I was 19. Oh. Okay, so I have the, I have the, you know, the BBC, all of, all of my the BBC notes.
1: edition with like the
4: exactly the back cover and all it's that. Awesome. And I have, so I have all my little notes on the first half, and I was like rocking this book the first half, right? So I've been telling you I can't remember the ending, which has disturbed me profoundly that I can't remember how this book ended. So I get to the second half. It doesn't really of the book. end
5: though; it just kind of stops. You realize you never read it.
4: Wait, hold on. So I get to the second half of the book, and I notice. I don't have any more notes. <laughs>
0: nothing.
4: Not a note, not an underline, not a check mark. not a star, not a, none of my usual, you know, marginalia. And so page after page, is nothing. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, did I not finish this book? And I had two different thoughts at the same time. One, was I really that student? Did I? I, like, that was my favorite professor. Did I betray her like this and like not finish the book? And I'm profoundly betray disturbed, her. profoundly disturbed by the fact that maybe I didn't finish this book, but also sort of relieved that maybe that's why I can't remember the end of this book, okay? So page after page after page, no notes. And I'm feeling more like, I must have never finished the book. I must have never finished the book. And I'm feeling better about myself as a reader with this knowledge that I never finished the book and that's how I can't remember. That's why I can't remember. Then I get to the last page. Last page, okay. And I find my one little 19-year-old underline and I think, oh no, I did read it. (laughs) And I underlined, being the good little Christian school worldview reader that I was at the time, Uh what do you think I underlined? Vanity of vanities. All oh. is vanities. And I'm pretty sure everything that happened after that with the red lamp just went right over my head. And I was like, I found the moral. Oh, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. So if y'all wanted to know what Brideshead was about, that's what my 19-year-old self thought. But I'm going to contradict all of that today.
1: <laughs> so, okay. Okay. so So. yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Here's what I, you, you've been talking all along about how you couldn't remember the ending. And you've had said similar things. Um, so where, where I wanted to start was does this book end in the way that you expected it to or that you wanted it to
4: a good ending is unexpected but also satisfying and that's what this was to me
1: okay
3: it it was unexpected
4: but then when he has the red lamp moment it was like well duh
3: oh that sounds like it was expected
4: but, but, that's, but that's, the, that's how a good ending of a great work works That it is, it's, it's skillfully done so that you don't see it coming uh-huh. But when it happens, it's totally, well, of course uh-huh. It's an
2: inevitable surprise it's in,
4: Right, exactly, it's an inevitable surprise That's a good way to put it Because <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it's too duh, and you saw it coming a mile away It's not a great book And, it, and if it's, the, the other thing that happens when they try to surprise you Is you feel tricked and duped, and it didn't really flow naturally And it's like, ah, that you know, shock surprise ending Charles is really a Christian
1: Okay, so before we get too much more deeply into it, there's people here who... Has, is there anybody here who's not read, doesn't know what's going on?
3: Okay. So a little recap?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think we should probably do a little recap. So, um, Tim, you are our you are our Andrew,
3: recapper. You, Andrew might do a better job at this. I will absolutely do it. Would yeah, you we'll do like do to longer. recap the last two
1: chapters? No, I'd rather hear you do it. Um, well, no, like, who's not read this book at all? Okay. Oh. Reca- we need a cursory summary of the books.
2: How could
5: you know?
1: So, our book opens... They don't need to, like, give it where... They don't need, like, chapter by chapter. Just, you know.
3: With uh, (laughs) Charles (laughs) Ryder on the battlefield of World War II and he sees a great house off in the distance. It's the March main house, which will be basically one of the primary characters of the book. And Charles recounts as a series of memories... In Brideshead Revisited his relationship to this family that lived in the Marchmaid House. It begins with Sebastian, who is his Oxford?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oxford friend. Um, and we we follow Sebastian for the first half of the book as he careens into alcoholism. And the source of his alcoholism is a little bit Unknown. Is it a chemical dependency? Is it a spiritual, moral obstacle that he's dealing with? Um, the second half of the book, we leave, Charles leaves Sebastian, or more Sebastian leaves the country, and we f- come in contact through Charles with Julia, the older sister of Sebastian. And um, the undergirding of the whole book is the relationship of the family to the Catholic faith, And it seems Lady Marchmaid, the matron of the family, is a devout Catholic. Her husband has run off to Venice, and he is living with his mistress. Julia and Sebastian have a very strange relationship with the faith, and the older brother, uh, Bridey. He is the most Catholic of them all, but albeit in a kind of, I don't know how you would describe it, like an accountant has a relationship to his books.
4: You wouldn't say Cordelia is the most Catholic? Oh, yeah, no, no, no,
3: thats I stand corrected. Cordelia is the most devout, for sure. And at the end of the... Well, what did you just do? Picture. Oh. I'm sort of listening. Don't worry. Should I give Should I give a little more detail for the last two chapters? Yeah, well,
1: sure. Now we can get a little summary on this. So,
3: table. um... Charles is married and an accomplished artist. Before these chapters begin, he has filed for divorce. Likewise, Julia has filed for divorce, for, for divorce from her husband. And all the arrows are pointing to Charles and Julia getting together at last. Happy matrimony. But, oh no, oh my goodness, it's not what happens at all and this is the, one of the big turns of like the final two chapters, is we expect that Julia and Charles are going to live happily ever after, but what comes between them? The faith of Julia's father, who returns from abroad to live at the manor, and he does take on the faith at the end through a gesture on his deathbed, and this ends up kind of being almost the... It's the moment that Julia realizes that she can't be with Charles because she actually is committed
1: and Charles is not yet.
4: I cannot choose a good greater than God.
3: Yeah.
1: So so those of you who have not listened before, we're going to refer back to things that we have talked about because we've been talking about it for that long and we're going to tie up all kinds of stuff. Uh, next week, we're going to go ahead and record the Q&A episode. So if you have questions, we'll try to get to a few tonight. But then, you know, send them in on Facebook and we'll get to as many as we can. Um, so I had all kinds of notes in my book, speaking of that, uh, and it got locked in that room by the hotel. So I'm fishing. fishing. Yeah. But, you didn't,
4: but you didn't finish the summary. I mean, after he breaks up with Julia, it fast forwards back to the present day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the epilogue. Yeah, I'm just going to
3: hold off the epilogue because it's so sick. He satisfying. breaks up with Julia?
4: Well, she breaks up with him. And he says, I knew it was coming all along. For the last year, I've known it was coming.
3: I'll tell the end. Charles, we catch up with him in the epilogue, and he is back on the battlefield where we kind of found him in the prologue. He's back on the battlefield, and he goes up to March Maiden House, and he wanders through the house. He visits briefly with the housekeeper, and then he finds that the chapel the the chapel that he believed was closed and the light the the gas flame extinguished which it was he returns and he sees inside the chapel and he sees that the light is actually still a flame or it's been relit is what it sounded like which is sort of a signal that when the chapel was closing and the light was extinguished um when Lady Marchmane was dying, right, just before she was dying, it kind of feels like this is this, this felt to me at least, like this is the status of the family as they are thinking about, are we going to continue in this or are we going to walk away from the faith? And it looks like most everyone, with the exception of Cordelia, is walking away. Charles sees that the flame has been relit, and it is so good. Maybe we read the last.
1: You want to start there?
3: Let's start there. Where are we? Well, three fifty one?
2: The very
3: end. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to so read three fifty one then.
2: How about you have I read marks. the very
3: last uh, sentence on three fifty and I'll just read the whole yeah. thing. The builders did not know the uses to which their work would descend. They made the new house with the stones of the old castle, year by year, generation after generation they enriched and extended it year by year the great harvest of timber and the park grew to ripeness until in sudden frost came the age of hooper the place was desolate and all the work all brought to nothing Kumodo said it sola civitas vanity of vanities all is vanity and yet i thought stepping out more briskly to the camp where the bugles, after a pause, had taken up a second call and were sounding, pick em up, pick em up, hot potatoes. And yet that is not the last word. It is not even an apt word. It is a dead word from some 10 years back. Something quite remote from anything the builders intended had come out of their work and out of the fierce little human tragedy in which I played. Something none of us thought about at the time, a small red flame. A beaten copper lamp of deplorable design, relit before the beaten copper doors of a tabernacle, the flame, which the old knights f- saw from their tombs, which they which they saw put, excuse me, which they saw put out, that flame burns again for other soldiers far from home, farther in fact than Acre or Jerusalem. It could not have been lit, Acre, is is it? farther in heart,
4: farther in heart.
3: Farther in heart than Acre or Jerusalem, it could not have been lit, but for the builders and the tragedians. And there I found it this morning, burning anew among the old stones. I quickened my pace and reached the hut which served us for our anteroom. You're looking unusually cheerful today," said the second. "You said
1: the second in command. So, one of the questions that I just remembered that I'd written in my book that I've been thinking about a lot." obviously thinking about it so deeply I couldn't remember it um is do you think that Brideshead Revisited is a tragedy because he references the idea of tragedy a couple times in the epilogue and even he refers to the tragedians here um so and it obviously it doesn't end in a marriage so it's counter to that sort of classical idea um motif. So is, this, is it a tragedy? What do you think? Because he, he refers to it that way.
4: Right. I don't think it's a tragedy. I, I, I think it's a, a redemption story, but it's a, it's a twist on the classical and medieval redemption story. So that, and in that sense, it's so perfect for modernity because he's in the rubble, right? So the, re- the redemption, at the end, each of these characters, I mean, by modern standards, it's a tragedy, right? What happens to each of them in their lives and Sebastian and Julia and all of that. But in the greater spiritual sense, each of them is redeemed. Each of those people is, is mm-hmm. you know, they're a Christian at the end. Julia, Cordelia, Sebastian, Charles. The father. the father, the mother, like the whole family has been redeemed, but not in this earth kind of idea, right? Not in terms of that. Even though it did happen in this earth for them. Is is that making sense what I'm trying to say? So like it's very modern and it's the rubble and he's standing in the ruins. But he, and so, I I don't know. I didn't think too far about what I think is doing about that. But there is a sense in which we're so broken in modernity that our redemption is not going to be the full. It's not going to be the full thing. Not right now.
1: Tim, what would you say? I agree. Wholeheartedly. (laughs) Okay.
3: And I, and I think part of the reason that the ending was so satisfying for me is that I kept thinking that Charles was coming around I kept thinking oh this is the moment there'd be like these big crests like the of the wave the yeah, on yeah, yeah exactly and when he started objecting to the father taking last rites I was like Charles yeah he's so like, forceful Charles. about it he's so and she and doesn't Julia point it out or does Kara point it out it's Julia.
1: It's
4: Julia who argues. He's
1: protesting for it. too hard, you know. Um, which, like, think, which seems like it's the surest sign for, for her right. why they can't be together. Like right. At least, right, right. Or at least begins that revelation to her.
3: But for the reader, it starts to look. It's it's begins at least for me began to show that like Charles is arguing. He's arguing himself out of the kingdom, but his heart is inclining that way.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because Julia says, okay, where is that? That cha- uh, Not? It's in chapter 5. Um, when she's talking to Charles and, and they're kind of, they're trying to decide whether the priest should go in, she, he keeps saying, this is crazy, yeah. it's just a bunch of hogwash and And so it's going to
4: kill him, so it's this very right, like, it's pragmatic gonna, reason, because right. it's like, you know, if it's just mumbo jumbo, why do you care, let it happen or not happen, it doesn't matter, but his whole thing is, it's going to kill him, and Julia is very, there's something worse than death here, I don't care if it kills him, mm-hmm. he's going to die, this is how he's going to die.
1: And, I really wish I had my book right now. but she, um, she keeps insisting on it, and he keeps pushing back against it, but she keeps dropping these little hints, she's like, you don't you don't actually believe what you think. She's got some she sees in him somehow that there's something of him in him that doesn't believe what he's actually saying and like he's trying to convince himself and she keeps bringing it back that she doesn't believe that he actually thinks what he's saying. Yeah, but she, she actually
3: sees thinks him. That he believes what he's saying. Yeah. She sees him more deeply than he sees himself.
2: I think I think you're talking about page 325, David.
1: 325?
2: I think so. Um "'Well, he wasn't much help,' I said to Julia when we left him, right in the middle. "'Help? I really can't see why you've taken it so much at heart "'that my father shall not have the last sacraments. "'It's such a lot of witchcraft and hypocrisy, is it? "'Anyway, it's been going on for nearly 2,000 years. "'I don't know why you should suddenly get in a rage now.' "'Her voice rose. She was swift to anger of late months. "'For Christ's sake, write to the Times. "'Get up and make a speech in Hyde Park. "'Start a no-popery riot.' but don't bore me about it. What's it got to do with you or me whether my father sees his parish priests, priest? So that's, that's where she's starting to run out of patience mm-hmm. with him.
4: And it, but it's so great. Like what she tells him to do, that's so modern, right? Write a letter. Start a riot. Go protest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very yeah, modern response. Yeah. If you're upset, this is what you should do.
2: That's so funny. When I was a kid in high school, I came up with this idea for a a novel, the first novel I ever came up with that I would never write. And the, the whole idea was this fish gets turned into a human being. At least that's what it seems like happened. And his whole life is a quest for causes. So he just keeps shifting from cause to cause to cause. So one day he's protesting this and one day he's protesting that. I always thought it had great potential for a, for a plot, because that's what he's doing, right? She's saying, go find a cause and give yourself to it. And it culminates what with what
3: her 3.30, Oh, Charles, don't rant. I shall begin to think you're getting doubts yourself.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's the line David's thinking of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it.
4: You don't convince anyone else and you don't really convince yourself.
1: Exactly, yeah. So Julia, yeah, Julia had said, it says later, Julia said, I wish you wouldn't start these religious arguments. And then Charles says, I didn't start it. And then she says to him, what you just read, you don't convince anyone else and you don't really convince yourself. And then he, he starts saying, I just wish they would, they say it's all logic. So he kind of changes the subject, but then she finishes the conversation with, with that line. Oh, Charles, don't rant. I shall begin to think you're getting doubts yourself. So, you know, he, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Well you, you started this sequence of discussion by asking whether this was a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And this might seem nonlinear at first, but I I want to make it connected back. If, if you go go to page 310, which is the end of chapter 4. And, and keep your finger at page 340 cuz or 341 cuz I want to make a connection between them and then and then wind it back. At the end of chapter 4, he gives this image of an arctic hut. Right? Oh
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Okay? And another image came to me of an arctic hut and a trapper, alone with his furs and oil lamp and log fire. The remains of supper on the table, a few books, skis in the corner, everything dry and neat and warm inside. And you're thinking, what does this have to do with anything? And outside, the last blizzard of winter raging, and the snow piling up against the door, quite silently a great weight forming against the timber. The bolt straining in its sockets, minute by minute in the darkness outside the white heap sealing the door, until quite soon, when the wind dropped and the sun came out on the ice slopes and the thaw set in, the, the thaw set in, mm-hmm. a block would move, slide and tumble, high above, gather weight, gather weight till the whole hillside seemed to be falling and the little lighted place would crash open and splinter and disappear, rolling with the avalanche into the ravine. And of course the trapper inside. Now look at 341. Right,
3: it's a perfect segue.
2: The avalanche was down. The hillside swept bare behind it. The last echoes died on the white slopes. The new mound glittered and lay still in the silent valley. I've just been destroyed. That's a tragedy. Yeah. On page three forty one, because because the language he uses there is is um, out of the fierce little human tragedy in which I played, not the one I wrote. Is there any part of
1: any of you, and I'll ask the, reader, the readers, readers who read it as well, any part of you that
2: wishes that he had ended the book there and not added the epilogue? Well, no, but let me let me finish this digression that's winding back before Go ahead. people answer that because. <clears throat> The reason I wanted to go back to chapter four is I think two very distinct things happen in those two chapters. In chapter four, that's really where, for all intents and purposes, he hits his limit. His own, the the limit of his own perceptions. And that's that's manifested in the previous chapter, paragraph rather. And if you just go up to the last couple lines on page 310 of the second full paragraph, He says, I realized that she had regained, speaking of Julia, what I thought she had lost forever. And he's saying this almost like he hopes it's true. I realized that she had regained what I thought she had lost forever. And what is that? The magical sadness which had drawn me to her. The thwarted look that had seemed to say, surely I was made for some other purpose than this. And then that night I woke in the darkness and lay awake turning over in my mind the conversation with Cordelia which ended with you knew I wouldn't understand didn't you now he says how I had said you knew I would not understand how often it seemed to me I was brought up short like a horse in full stride suddenly refusing an obstacle backing from the spurs too shy even to put his nose at it and look at the thing in chapter four He's the horse, horse that can't overcome the obstacle. And remember, they went out, there's horse, you know, fox hunting and stuff. So we've got that image. And, and what I would propose to you is that this is the end of his paganism. Because paganism is all about, remember his, 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 own, his true love with beauty, right? His wife said that Charles loves beauty. That's pagan to do that. And then here, the sadness, an essential part of pagan beauty is that deep and profound sadness. So he, he brings us to the limit of his paganism and then says, I was like a horse who couldn't honestly look at the obstacle in front of me. And then in chapter 5, the whole thing is brought to its consummation when he prays a prayer of compassion for the woman that he loves and, 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 and is brought beyond wistful, almost glorying in the beauty of sadness and reality the gospel reality comes home to him because he loves that woman so much that he's praying for the sign that will bring his own dream to an end. And that, that becomes the conversion. And so he, he, um, he, he has his own tragedy in that his paganism is ended. And, and, that, and, that, and, and tragedy is a pagan category. This is a medieval book more than classical. So now that he's had his tragedy, but then he sees, then he is brought by love to the point of conversion, it becomes, we might say, a comedy.
1: And then the thing that ends their relationship is what he was most desiring, right? what drew him to her in the first place. What do you mean? Because it seems to me that that profound sadness, that magical sadness or whatever. He keeps describing her beauty as being a beauty, a sad beauty. And that that, that desire or that understanding... That she was designed for something more, she returns to that. That sadness, in a sense, returns to her at her father's deathbed, and then it leads her to to end the relationship. And then when he re- and he, as soon as he sees that come upon her, he realizes, "Oh no, what have I wished for?" Uh-huh. <laughs> in a sense, and so when that so that drew him to her in the fir- him to her in the first place, but then it also is what means they can't be together.
4: In that sense, I think. I think was tapping into the medieval courtly love tradition mm-hmm. here because so courtly love cannot be fulfilled, right? By definition, it has to be a longing that's unfulfilled. But the whole point it has to of it, thwarted. Yes, thwarted. He calls it the thwarted. He uses that. It has to be thwarted, right? That's yeah. He so does say that. He yeah. does say that. So pure love has to be thwarted. But the idea is that th- on a spiritual level, like on a metaphorical level, the reason that it can cannot be fulfilled, it has to be unfulfilled longing, is because it's supposed to point you to the greater thing. Right? So, right? so if you think so, Julia at first is, you know, the other woman who's destroying his marriage, but then suddenly she becomes Beatrice. Right? And she leads him hmm. to the greater love.
2: So you're saying the art of learning isn't hard to master?
4: <laughs> I'm not getting into that.
2: <laughs> losing. The art of losing, sorry.
4: But but yeah, I mean, yeah, so when when he looks at her in this tormented I love that she's back to that beautiful sadness but I also know this is the end but the fact that it's the end also makes it the more glorious tragic love Mm. right Mm -hmm. so it's actually appealing in its tragedy
2: it's so beautiful I mean
1: look at yeah that version of his love is far more interesting and beautiful than the previous versions that you know like the versions on the boat and so Mm -hmm. forth during the storm didn't you
2: think it was a kind of a really unique and a very beautiful love story oh yeah oh yeah because it's so full of sadness. Yeah. It's always threatened. And the pagan mindset, that's, that's, that's what it, it gloats on almost if it goes too far. It gloats on sadness, and then it makes it beautiful. That's what pagan art does. It takes sadness and makes it beautiful. Not, not, by, not by fulfilling it, not by, not by having a paradiso, but by enduring purgatorio forever. Mm-hmm. You
3: know, one of the first questions that we asked, I think, David, I think it was you that had the quote that... um in an interview, someone asked... He, he said that he was writing a book of theology. Was that you or was that Angelina? It
4: wasn't
3: me. It must, I thought it was David. Uh, and he he said sounds he was writing out. a book of theology, but the theologians didn't understand it that way or something oh, yeah. like that. Is that does that sound familiar? Did I say that? Anyone
1: remember? <laughs> that does Apparently, sound I said familiar. it. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like it does me. does sound
3: familiar. We got somebody here saying, yeah, he said it. It sounds like something I was. say.
4: Someone saying. listens. <laughs> so... I Facebook when David talks.
1: <laughs> really, me too. I also Facebook when I talk.
4: That's when I started doing it. That's what you do.
1: Bad company
3: corrupts. Corrupts good morals. I'm talking to you, Graham. I'm talking to you.
1: Um,
3: and then we had this. Kind of, we kind of embarked on this question. At least I did. Is is this an aesthetic theology that he's writing? Right. 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 And it's. I, I think the answer for me is yes. That's exactly what this book is. It's an aesthetic theology because the thing, I I think the thing that he, that is so compelling about Julia is the sadness of her beauty and the sadness that I think that what makes her beauty sad is that she recognizes that she was made for a greater purpose and it's not the life that she's living. And there's something about that there's something about that that Charles finds unattainable and he thinks that it's her, but it's not. It's what lies beyond her. Do you remember...
4: But that's just the, that's the Dante and Beatrice conversation, mm-hmm. too, where she's like, look, you idiot, it was never about me.
2: Yeah. Are you, are you thinking... Does this speak to what you're thinking about when, on page 303, on, on 302, Julia says, it's frightening to think how completely you have forgotten Sebastian. And Charo says he was the forerunner, and she says you said that in the storm, but then the next paragraph.
4: Yes, that was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read read it, read
2: it. Perhaps I thought, read it.
4: Perhaps I thought while her words still hung in the air between us, like a wisp of tobacco smoke, a thought to fade and vanish like smoke without a trace, perhaps all our loves are merely hints and symbols, a hill of many invisible crests, doors that open as in a dream to reveal only a further stretch of carpet and another door. Perhaps you and I are types, and this sadness which sometimes falls between us springs from disappointment in our search, each straining through and beyond the other, snatching a glimpse now and then of the shadow which turns the corner always a pace or two ahead of us. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. That the love is pointing to something great We're just types Every earthly love is just a hint And a symbol and a forerunner of of the greater love
1: Well, she says that more She basically says it more explicitly At the end of the book, right? Julie does Yeah, when she's in their little I don't know Let's read that Yeah, 340 Their
3: breakup, yeah Their
1: little breakup scene If we want to call it that Hey, but first uh, I have a telegram Oh, no kidding Yeah
4: I wanted it hand-delivered
1: a, but a telegram? It can't be a telegram if it's hand delivered.
4: What? Telegrams are hand delivered. Yeah, yeah. I want him in a little bell, and a bicycle, no, not, not and ding a, ding, a, ding ding. I want not a, a
1: telegram
2: with sound music. G R A E M E. Yes, we can
4: sing. Oh,
2: a, yeah. did you hear that?
4: Oh, I knew it was a pun, but I still wanted him in the bicycle outfit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I might guess be possible, you've been actually. <laughs>
5: totally.
1: So, um, the hotel sent us a.
5: Oh dear! Yeah, they've, really.
1: They've sent us a. They just wanted. They actually, it's kind of a, a little bit of goodwill from them. They want me to inform any guests that there are extra pillows available for any guests that oh. need further ear protection for the rest oh. of the evening. And also the third, uh, the third, not the first, the second, or the fourth. The third glass elevator has inexplicably cracked. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear So you're going to have to avoid that one So thanks oh, wow. to Graham for bringing that message From the hotel And
3: yeah, thank you to the Hyatt Regency For the extra pillows Just the general courtesy yeah,
1: Considering the yeah. situation yeah, Considering what should, happened to their elevator yeah, They should yeah. charge
4: the elevator to Graham Pittman With an E
1: Okay, so anyway Now that, that's out of the way he, he did Graham did t- tell me That he was starting To run out of news To send me <laughs>
4: <laughs> Yeah Graham You said you really Worked on that On the drive over Yes. <laughs> <was. laughs> Woo
1: <laughs> So 340 Middle of the page Is that where we're Let's start at the top Here Why don't I read The narrator You be Charles And she can be Julia Oh
4: I'll be Julia Okay
1: oh, I'll, be, I'll be Charles we should switch you better get <laughs> While she was still upstairs, Brideshead and Cordelia arrived from London. When at last we met alone, it was by stealth, like young lovers. Julia said
4: here in the shadow, in the corner of the stair, a minute to say goodbye.
1: So
3: long to say so little. You knew? Since this morning, since before this morning, all this year.
4: I didn't know till today. Oh my dear
3: three forty Andrew has a little bit of an objection
2: to Walt but Angelina bros. Angelina if you will if you will cuddle up with Tim and say those lines I will believe it but if you can't do that those lines are not believable. Well, you yeah. want
4: me to actively break Tim's heart right now yes. in front of an
2: audience? <laughs> <I do. laughs> well, if I have That's what to. I That's what I want to say. That's what a I will woman will it. do her duty.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, take one for the team.
2: So
1: where, um, where, Are we starting <laughs> over again? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just start at the top. Okay, let's start wait, from the top again. Take two. I
4: need an appropriate
2: director. Are we...
1: <clears throat> wait, you think they're cuddling up here? No, I don't mean them, but I mean in the scene, in the book.
2: Well, I think they're... No, in the of- but there has to
0: be physical...
1: For anybody who's listening to this recording, t- he just walked off. He's just gone. This is a snifter. I'm imagining Charles... <laughs> But I mean, this is where if I were the director, we'd have to talk about all the stuff that's going on. I know there. because oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not even just feeling the way
4: Tim's delivering these lines. Like I'm responding to the pretend Tim that's not saying what i was saying in my head.
1: Huh?
3: <laughs> pretend Tim that's not saying what you're saying I'm in just your saying, head. The
4: way I envision Charles giving the lines to me is how I'm acting for Julia, and you're not doing it. So like.
1: <laughs> she she I just really feel like does
4: heartbroken enough. You're just like... I'm hurt. No,
3: you're like... I'm hurt. No, it's so surprising. She does
1: want to break his heart. Then man's an actor. He's a, th- he's a professional. Okay,
3: no, this oh, Hold on, hold on, seriously. hold on. Wait, wait, wait. No, no.
4: One time. To teach reading out loud to a group of 6th grade girls and they were all so Pollyanna sweet and they off stood too. up and they read the most heartbreaking passages like this and then he took the knife and he plunged it into her heart and then she said oh no he's dead and I was like do you know what you're reading you have to read it like you so I just feel like I'm like Julia's like I'm gonna rip your heart out and he's like so long for so, you know, just, I just want to see some blood on the Tim. page.
1: Tim, ridiculous. are, no, are I'm you gracious. okay?
3: David, I'm great.
1: Could you say that in any more of a smooth way?
4: <laughs> say it like Wes Callahan.
1: I'm just, I am wish I could say it like Wes Callahan. Okay, so we're taking it from the top? Yeah, we're taking take it from two, the top. Take two, take three, where are we? All right. While she was still upstairs, Brideshead and Cordelia arrived from London. When at last we met alone, it was by stealth, like young lovers. Julia said,
5: Stop it. I'm looking, look I am like looking that. with the impassioned
3: gaze that you asked Careful for. Careful
1: what you asked for, Angelina. Okay, like I said, the man's a professional.
4: Yes, he is. I took my shoes off. I am ready now. Okay.
1: <laughs> Julia would never have done that.
4: Where was that wine someone promised me? Okay. All right. Here in the shadow, in the corner of the stair, a minute to say goodbye.
3: So long to say so little. You knew? Since this morning, since before this morning, all this year.
4: I didn't know till today. Oh my dear, if you could only understand, then I could bear to part, or bear it better. I should say my heart was breaking if I believed in broken hearts.
0: I can't marry you!
1: <laughs> I
4: can't even be with you again!
1: Dad, does this remind you of, like, just conversation with Larissa? <laughs> you okay? You might want to help her up.
4: <sighs> Take two, okay? Like, I know. How can you know?
3: What will you do? That's called a deflection.
4: Just go on. Alone. How can I tell what I shall do? You know the whole of me. Stop. Okay, okay, I'll stop.
2: I'll stop. Angelina, <laughs> would you like me to replace your- <laughs> you,
1: <laughs> have you? Recast.
4: I could give you a list of names of men who can tell you that I'm really bad at breaking up.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They're all your boyfriend right now.
1: Are we going to finish this or can I ask a question? Uh, Let's uh, ask a question. So, do you guys want him to finish that?
4: (laughs) I'm always going to be thinking of that face now every time we do a show at my house. That's what I'm going to say. (laughs) <laughs>
2: so, yeah, well, that's, what, that, that's what I think of every time I think of Tim so, you, 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 you nailed most of it Tim
1: <laughs> thank you So
4: I don't mean to laugh at your broken heart <laughs> she,
1: she, she is a little surprised that he knew and he said yeah I knew I've known for a while when is the moment do you think that he knew and is, I mean, is he being fully honest there is he kind of saving face has he really known all this year? I was surprised. Or, or does he mean?
3: Yeah, we didn't. We didn't get any hints that he that it was doomed, did I we? I've read it twice. Not from the character. I think, the I character. think, so. I think so. from the character
2: himself, as opposed to the narrator. Well, he says he says since this morning, and then he says since before this morning, all this year. So, the in, the implication is well, I knew this morning when this all happened, and then. Then you stop to think about it. I've known all this year. I think I think that within himself, he knew at the fountain, but that it had to it had to play itself out when she slapped him. Mm. Oh yeah, with the reed. I don't know if that. I, I think that what he saw when when Bridey said what he said and she went hysterical, I think that he realizes now, looking back, that a dam mm. had broken.
5: So he wouldn't be conscious of it,
2: but he's. Correct. Now at, he's yeah. aware. He knew, no, but he that. didn't know. I
4: buy that. Literally, as he's saying it, he's mm-hmm. realized. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Since this morning, since before this morning, all this year, it's it's a it's a kind of thing you realize when you stop to think about it. But he's always known. So she says towards
1: the end of this passage, "Now we shall both be alone, and I shall have no way of making you understand." in other words not being around him he, she can't help him on the way towards you know what she's also seeking so his response then is striking he says i don't i don't want to make it easier for you i hope your heart may break but i do understand hmm.
2: is that just is he being petty no no i think i think that i think that it's extremely complicated that he hopes her heart will break partly because he's hurt and that's what you should feel for the person who just hurt you and partly because he knows that a broken heart is, is a good thing. And partly, be, and, and then he says, but I do understand because he's he's a different person than he was that morning. right? He himself is, I don't want to say he's, Completed his conversion at this point, but he doesn't think the way he did a day before. So,
1: what, where is the moment that that changes
2: then, Charles? Is it when he says the prayer? Pardon? What is is it, it, it where he says? Is it when he says the prayer? Well, it's it's that impossible. His eyes are opened. It's almost like we're having that discussion about when does the sacrament become the body and blood. Um, it's it's a it's a process, and and maybe a bell rings right when it happens, but. I don't think you can you can say there's this moment where he used to be just flesh and now he's spirit. I, I don't think you can see that. But oh, having said that, <laughs> you're gonna take it all back. No, I I want I want to sh- I want to jump back to page three hundred to to look at something about what's going on in Charles three three oh three and three hundred because. Um, but he just did all that about our loves are merely hints and symbols, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's all taking us. And he says, I had not forgotten Sebastian right after that on 303. He was with me daily in Julia. And she says what I would expect a girl to say. That's cold comfort for a girl. Um, how do I know I shan't suddenly turn out to be somebody else? In other words, for Julia, um, there's no standing outside and doing comedies by the fountain. Right, I'm, I'm glad that I mean it's nice that you can think of me and, and Sebastian as two images of something Whatever that is you pagan But I'm a real person okay. But now go to the, go to the previous page 300 And it's, it's where he, he um, Thinks of Cordelia I love this It hurt to think of Cordelia Growing up quite plain now, now watch what he does How he expresses his conception of love here This is when he's a pagan It hurt to think of Cordelia growing up quite plain, to think of all that burning love spending itself on serum injections and delousing powder. This, for him, is a waste of good love. Healing people, taking care of suffering people is a waste of good love. And Sebastian ends up one who's suffering intensely, but but all he wants to do is care for people. And, and, and he's beginning to, to escape this pagan conception of love and enter into the Christian one. And when he finally prays out of love for, his, for, the, for the woman that, he, that I love, he says, when he finally prays that prayer, there's something that's happened. And he's realizing now that Mother Teresa wasn't wasting her life, that, that the people who are who have all that burning love and are pouring it out on suffering people who actually need it, are not wasting it. They're not being thwarted. But in fact, Cordelia sees, remember Cordelia asked, did you, when you saw me, did, you think, did the word thwarted come to your mind? Did you think I was thwarted? And he said, yes, I did, but I don't now. And she said, you know, it's funny, because that's exactly what I thought of you and, and Julia, that, you were, that I thought thwarted love. The, the conception of this romantic, again, pagan, and and I want, I want this is related to your idea of aesthetic theology. I think ultimately, he's got a theology that contains aesthetic theology at an extremely high level, but it transcends it. And and it and it would it, Christian Christian aesthetics actually makes more room for kitsch, for example, than than a, than a pagan aesthetic would. The pagan aesthetic has to be virtually pure, perfect, perfect, and sad. A Christian can just rejoice with a silly face, right? It, it, can, be, it can come across as very childish. So He's, back up,
3: well, Andrew. Say what you said again. His, he has an aesthetic theology that's contained
2: within... Uh, he has a theology that contains oh. an aesthetic theology within it, but it transcends aesthetics. I see. Okay, I see. It's, it's, it's a spiritual perspective, Right? from, from you know, Paul's, Paul's language. He's, he's looking at things not from the point of view of flesh, which some of the characters, that's all they do, not from the point of view of soul, right? the natural man, as we badly translate it, the psychic man, not from the, not from the point of view of the, the pagan who, who has this lofty notion of the arts, but from the point of view of the spirit, which the soulish man can't even understand. And that's what he's showing in this book, is, this, is the natural man the fully realized in a certain sense the really great artist cannot see the things of god when he sees them he, curious,
0: wait wait i'm sorry go ahead
2: when when he sees them he he can't understand them and he thinks little of them but now but now his eyes are open by, by the end his eyes are opened and he sees sebastian um, suffering right he says surely he didn't suffer right and and cordelia says oh yeah he suffered you can't you can't be helpless like that without suffering but that's part of it Mm -hmm. and that's what he says you knew i wouldn't understand didn't you remember how she ends that by saying um it's all very beautiful he's living in a beautiful place and he just laughs and says you knew i wouldn't understand didn't you the beauty he gets this the 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 simple suffering and the and the holiness of suffering is unfathomable to Mm -hmm. him until he learns to suffer for his wife i mean his would-be wife, the woman that he loves, by and he has to renounce himself in that prayer. He is renouncing himself, and that's why I think his his statement there that David was talking about is is he being what? What did you ask again? Is he being cruel or something? Uh, I, being petty. Yeah. yeah, petty. I I think he's certainly not being petty. I hope your heart may break, but I do understand. I now have given everything up. I knew this was coming. I realize, whether it was internal or external, conscious, I knew this was I, I gave you up today. But I do hope your heart breaks. I mean, it's, it's very, very complex what's happening in his mind there.
4: Well, he wants her to feel that she's given something up of great importance to. He, he wants her to feel the sacrifice as well. That's,
1: yeah, that's think the way so. I do yeah, yeah. I And I, yeah. I kind of read it also as it's like she's asking to have a broken heart. Yeah. And he recognizes that. And so he wants her to get what she's asking for so it goes you mean i think is purposefully giving us something with multiple meanings there. Like like has been doing this the whole book right these individual lines that are packed with tons of meaning so i think you know it's partly the you know the bitterness or or the pettiness or you could read it that way on the one hand then you know her what you're saying and then the idea that her she's asking to have her heart broken so that she'll never put anything else before god and he recognizes mm. that and, yeah, say, that's good. Mm-hmm. and says, and really good. I hope that happens." Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I want to piggyback for just a second on this idea of the aesthetic theology because we we haven't talked about the house, and it's so interesting that law we'll ends the book right before the conversion with a description well, of can, the house. Yeah. Can, I,
1: can I? Before we leave what we're doing, I wanted to mention something about okay. the aesthetic theology, which I think will bring us to that. Okay. Do you think there's something to the idea that for Charles, a sign, something visual? And symmetrical in a way, and all that kind of stuff, is one of the things that drives a revelation and eye op- the the and the eye opening for him when he sees. He says this prayer for a, for a sign, which has something visual, something physical, and, and you know, aesthetic in a sense. And then when he he thinks he's he thinks that Julia's father is gonna. To what, he, what does he say? He don't, he don't let him... He thinks he's going to knock the chrism away. He says, yeah. Oh, Lord, oh, God, I pray don't let him do that. But there was no need for fear. The hand moved slowly down his breast and then to his shoulder, and Lord, Mar- Lord Marchmain made the sign of the cross. <laughs> and then I knew that the sign I had asked for was not a little thing, not a passing nod of recognition. And a phrase came back to me from my childhood of the veil of the temple being rent from top to bottom. And so that, like, there is something aesthetic about that. The sign of the cross itself and that that it, you know it wasn't a conversation or something that that moved him but there's actually this sign that, that is a sort of revelation for him is that do you think that ties into the aesthetic idea or am I reaching
4: no, I, 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 I do,
2: especially based on page 303 where he said perhaps all our loves are merely hints and what symbols, symbols. Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly signs but symbols and and um, and, and was if this is where it's an aesthetic theology, everything is calling you from one level of love and one level of attraction to a higher one. And I think in that sense, absolutely, the building is Sebastian himself, because remember he's a forerunner. Right, he's a forerunner, but of what? He thought of Julia. Right. Turns out Julia is a forerunner of Christ, like John the Baptist. I had yes, not I forgotten not think Sebastian. Of John the Baptist
1: every time they use that word forerunner.
2: Yeah, by design, right? Because yeah. he's also a sign. And he says, I had not forgotten Sebastian. Every stone of the house had a memory of him. So every stone in that house is a sign. That takes us to the house that Angelina's. Right. Yeah.
4: So, I mean, the title of the book is Brideshead Revisited. So, I mean, he's putting in the foreground the house. We've talked about the house over and over in the aesthetics of the house. And then he brings us back to the house right before the conversion moment. And so when we were driving over here, 25 hours. <laughs> My daughter, who's in the audience, who's 12, made an observation as we were driving. <laughs> and she said, building is a strange word. And I said, how so? And she said, because it's something you do, and it's something that is.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm.
4: She said, because you are building a building. And I said, you're right. It's a verb and a noun. So I was thinking about her saying that when I read this last paragraph about you had to ruin her
1: observation by pointing out that it's two different kinds of parts of speech.
2: <laughs> Is she as smart as you?
4: Way smarter. I think so. Way smarter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's totally. <laughs> those of you listening at home, she's nodding knowingly. Yes, absolutely, she's a but But. Uh, I thought about how that is true of this metaphor of the house, and he's bringing that out in yeah. in the in this last paragraph. This house is, but it also is being right. It's it is being built. He's saying it's the house is constantly that's changing. A great observation. And he's been making that point through the whole book, right? This is the new edition. We're building a new house with old stones. He says in this last paragraph. But that's a metaphor for us. Right? Yes. We are the building. We are the thing. But we are also becoming, right? I am, but I also am becoming. So we are the future tense and the present tense of the to be verb, right? So I just thought that was yes. that he's doing with the house the same thing that's happening to Charles, right? I am, but I am also becoming. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Way that's a great observation.
4: Way to go, Karen.
2: You're a well-named girl.
4: <laughs> yes, she
1: is. Were you going
2: to say something to that? Before we brought that back to what
1: Angelina was saying,
2: I'm not sure, um, probably but I, but I love the point about about the the, the building because he talks about the builders did not know the uses to which their work would descend. Yeah, let's let's and read that. you want okay. You want me to? Sure. What pages? Where, where does it say It's start? 350. 50? I thought we read That's it earlier. Long.
4: We did, Tim read it. But we're gonna read it again. No, but I'll
2: read it began. with this
1: particular idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The different people are listening gonna, Do you want to hear
3: the chapel seconds. part
2: too, or should I just should I go should is I the read? chapel
3: part also? We didn't include that the first time.
2: Well, let me let me be really self-serving and go all the way up to the um, the dialogue context, because this is Hooper and Charles talking about the building. And um, he says, "Radio." I say, did you say you knew this place before? Yes, very well. It belongs to friends of mine. And as I said the words, they sounded as odd in my ears as Sebastian's had done when instead of saying, it is my home, he said, it is where my family live. It doesn't make any sense. One family in a place this size. Now watch this question. What's the use of it? <laughs> So, so, Hooper. Yep. Well, I suppose Brigade are finding it useful. And here's the transition. But that's not what it was built for, is it? No, I said. Not what it was built for. Perhaps that's one of the pleasures of building. Like having a son. Wondering how he'll grow up. I don't know. I never built anything. Right? He, he paints buildings, but he never built one. And I forfeited the right to watch my son grow up. I'm homeless, childless, middle-aged, loveless Hooper. He looked to see if I was being funny, decided that I was, and laughed. Now go back to camp. Keep out of the CO's way if he's back from his recce or whatever, and don't let on anyone to anyone that we've made nonsense of the morning. Okey, right here. <laughs> he never
1: says yes, sir, or anything. It's radio.
2: Now we're too what you wanted me to read Mm -hmm. so that was my self-indulgence here hope you guys don't mind there was one part of the house i had not yet visited and i went there now the chapel showed no ill effects of its long neglect that is amazing (laughs) see everything's a sign and, and he does so much with how everything's a sign the chapel showed no ill effects of its long neglect the art nouveau paint was as fresh and as bright as ever The Art Nouveau lamp burned once more before the altar. I said a prayer, an ancient, newly learned form of words, and left, turning towards the camp. And as I walked back and the cookhouse bugle sounded ahead of me, I thought, the builders did not know the uses to which their work would descend. They made a new house with the stones of the old castle. Year by year, generation after generation, they enriched and extended it. Year by year, the greatest harvest of timber in the park grew to ripeness until, in sudden frost, came the age of Hooper. The place was desolate, and the work all brought to nothing. Quo modo sedet sola quivitas? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And yet, I thought, And yet, that is not the last word. It is not even an apt word. It is a dead word from 10 years back. Something quite remote from anything the builders intended has come out of their work, and out of the fierce little human tragedy in which I played. Something none of us thought about at the time. And then, back to the lamp. To me, that's the uh, moral of the story. (laughs) We just build, we just add on, we just do our part. But if there's a flame,
1: it's alive. That's one of the reasons why I love the metaphor, the ongoing metaphor of the thread, because it calls to mind the idea of weaving, which is something that we, you talk about all the time related to the Odyssey and all kinds of other places. But it's almost, I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily saying this, but in my mind, I see this idea of, like Charles's life, for example, being some kind of a tapestry it's being woven and maybe there's different people that are co- participating in that, different people who are twitching the thread mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. that th- you never know what that it, Like we talked about this because the, the strange thing is that an affair an illicit affair with Julia is what Wa, the narrator, calls the twitch upon the thread mm-hmm. and in a sense that seems like that doesn't make sense from a Christian a Christian writer, right? But the point is that we don't know which part of the tapestry is going to lead us towards some kind of transcendent truth, or which part of the tapestry. It's like it's like the uh, the misfit, right? We don't I mean we don't know, or any any other number of characters in O'Connor. Um, we don't, you know, you never know which twitch is going to lead you
2: towards something that's going to alter your Eternal existence. Yeah, because, because it's not a moral issue, it's a spiritual issue. Right? That's why, that's why um, Sebastian, I think, in a way, the high point of the book is when Cordelia is describing Sebastian and the discussion with that, that superior. And what does Sebastian say? Um, tell me about yourself, on page 305. Now tell me about yourself, the superior says to Sebastian. And what does Sebastian say? oh, I'm nothing. Then he offers him, you know, he basically says, you're not young, you don't seem strong. And Sebastian says, no, I don't want to be trained. The superior says to him, my friend, you need a missionary for yourself. And he said, yes, of course. And in the next paragraph... So the moment of recognizing of himself that he needs that. Yes. Of course. (laughs) And then in the next paragraph, to to get back to the moral thing, he talks about, well, I'll just read the first few lines. And he says, next day he came back again, Sebastian. He had been drinking. He said he had decided to become a novice and be trained. He decided to become a monk. Well, said the superior, there are certain things that are impossible for a man in the bush. One of them is drinking. It is not the worst thing, but it is nevertheless quite fatal. I sent him away. And that's the paragraph where Cordelia says of him, he was a very holy old man and recognized it in others. He recognized holiness in a drunk, which reminds me of one of my absolute favorite stories. This is from Mount Athos. There was a, there was a, a monk who was an alcoholic, and he would be constantly um, sipping alcohol. And he was trouble to everybody in the like monastery. Sebastian with the
1: hidden bottles and yeah, the very much, so. yeah. Yeah, very much so.
2: Very much so. And he would be sipping. And he was annoying to all the other monks. And then one day he died. And some of the, the, the brother sort of like this, where he just, as I recall, he just sort of died at the gate. And what, the, the brothers came to um, the, 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 the elder, I guess, of the monastery. And they said, he died. Um, should we bury him? And, and the, the elder said, I knew he died. And they said, what do you mean, how did you know he died? And he said, when, when he died, I saw the angels come and carry his spirit up to heaven. And they said, what are you talking about? He's a drunkard. And he tells a story that, that when that monk was a, a small child, he, he would, uh, an infant, he, it was during a conflict between the Turks and the Greeks. And in order to keep him quiet, his parents, I think, would put alcohol on his, oh wow, uh, on his mouth. And by the time he was two years old, he was an alcoholic. He joined the monastery, and for his entire life, he would come to confession and confess his alcoholism. And I mean, he didn't hide it at all. And he and he tried to be healed of it. And basically, his confessor would say, "Well, dr- try to drink a little bit less this year." You know, try. But but he was a deeply spiritual man, and that can be really hard for us to understand that a person can be ruined, be committing this horrible, horrible sin as we think of it, but be deeply in fellowship and union with God. It's a hard thing to grasp. But if we don't grasp it, I think if we aren't willing to grasp it, we aren't thinking spiritually, we're thinking morally. morally. And it's not the same thing. Well, I mean,
1: they say in the book that the suffering, without the suffering, that's well, how yeah, you become it, holy. Yeah, without the suffering, you can't be holy. Is that exact is that the way they put it? Without the suffering, you can't be holy, but... Probably better than we did, but... Right, probably. well, yeah, obviously.
4: And, but, and, and at the end, you know, all of, all, they've all suffered. Lady may has suffered, the father has Absolutely. suffered, Cordelia, Sebastian, Julia, Charles, they've all suffered.
1: I was, and I was really struck by the idea that, that in these final chapters, it's like, it's like the finale of a TV show or something, where you, you come back around to all the characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even characters, we, we even get a little, like, we uh, got... I don't know what's the word it's like about Rex too even. well we get Rex we get um, yeah yeah, we get Rex we get Hooper. Sebastian we get Hooper I mean we come back around to everybody and what seems to be the consistent like thing really is the suffering to some degree they're all suffering and it ends up leading them to different places like Rex you know who may actually be the most full of vanity well the thing about Rex survives.
4: right so Rex starts to bottom out and it's the war that saves him yeah the, yeah yeah he, you know, because he's the kind of guy that's going to make a hit out of the war.
3: Everybody else um, learns from their own suffering and he kind of benefits from others. suffering. Exactly.
4: As I say, the mm. war has flipped it all on its head. So, so all of these other people, Charles, Sebastian, Julia Cordelia, in the world's eyes, they've not made him success. Right.
2: And their families come to an end because there's yes, not going to be an no heir. no heir,
4: and they make the point and about writing that no, there's not going to be an heir there. She's past no. childbearing age, right? And they, Julia they would point. have
2: passed on the um, yes. What's that? The, the the earldom would have gone right. through the female, yeah. right? Right. Yes. She's, she's not going to have gonna any have, child, right?
4: So I mean, it's just, it look, from the world's perspective, it looks like the March mains have just
2: imploded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's
4: tragic, but Rex has come out. Rex has navigated it, but in terms of the spiritual reality, it's reversed.
2: I'm why? never going to write a sequel to this in which Charles and Rex join together and, and start a business. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then what kind of they business would that be? They do on a bridge? Yeah.
2: Right. What, Tim? What kind of
3: business would that be?
1: Advertising. Marketing, yeah. yeah it's Marketing with really, really good painting. So, why do you think that, um, this is about where I would normally say this is getting long. Um,
4: <laughs> I've been reading this all the time. Like, this has been a while We're David. This ain't been to wrap this up, guys.
1: Um, why do you think that Brideshead gives the house to Julia, um, Lord Brideshead, her father?
4: I, w- I wanted to ask that question. I wanted to bring that up. Is it
1: just that he doesn't like his um, Well, there's got to be lot. a
4: metaphorical reason in terms of the story, but in terms of the plot, it's a very non-traditional thing to do, to take it from the firstborn son and give it to the daughter.
1: I mean,
2: it's just because he doesn't like his I don't son's know. wife? I think intensely Ostensibly, Bridie. yes. That's what, what's that? I think he intensely dislikes Bridie. Sorry, I think well, okay, he so intensely dislikes Bridie. Okay,
3: so why? Bridie or his wife?
2: Both. So why does. He won't even let them into his room when he's dying, he won't see them.
3: She judges him. That seems to be a yeah, really gets, important Yeah, but friendly. you know who judges yeah. him most
2: directly? Is it Bridie? Cordelia. He said, "Okay." The, the hey, moment Cordelia, for, care for him. The, the conversion moment for for the father is when um, Cordelia's got license. Page three thirty four. His wife doesn't. Page, yeah. page three thirty four. He starts to talk. Okay, uh, Lord Bright said is talking while he's dying. He says, um, he, he asks, he, he he describes building the chapel before the First World War, um, and he says, "Do you remember the chaplain?" Um, and she says, I was too young. And then he says, this is the, the, the father talking. Then I went away, left her in the chapel praying. It was hers. It was the place for her. I never came back to disturb her prayers. They said we were fighting for freedom. I had my own victory. Was it a crime? in Cordelia, I think it was, Papa. Mm-hmm. Crying to heaven for vengeance? Is that why they've locked me in this cave, do you think? do you think that child and she says yeah I think what you did was a crime dad how how do you not read that last bit there the prophetic
1: bit but the wind will come soon tomorrow perhaps and will breathe again the ill wind that will blow me good yeah better tomorrow and then then I don't think he said anything else again does he
4: I don't think it's judgment mm. this is almost like a confession and I, the, I agree at the end he's you know, predicting his repentance
1: but there's did
3: a, there's I a do difference. wrong yes
4: you did wrong but I'm going to do better he says
3: I think there's a difference between the way that Cordelia judges him I don't even know that we should use that word and affirms the complaint that he what he's affirms yes, him right. he's
4: confessing, confessing and she affirms
1: she's the yes. confessor
3: and that's yes. a different Oh
4: yes. We, totally she
3: right. was likened to what is the wife of Brighty, what's her name
4: is um, something. What is Beryl. it? barrel?
3: Beryl. 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 yeah. I think that Lord Marchmain dislikes her because she's, she's just petty and she judges him. I don't think what Cordelia is doing is judging.
2: She's, yeah, his and, confessor. And Jesus said, I, I give you the power to bind and to loose. When he says, was it a crime, Cordelia could have said, no, it's okay, Dad. And if she had done so... Uh-huh she would have bound him. She would have trapped him in his sin by saying that, and by- Last and, rites might not have felt like they were important to take. And by saying yes, she released him. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, because I read that as her saying that so gently. I think it was Papa. Because of the Papa.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, not, it's,
2: not, it's not harsh, it's that's not That's intimate
4: right. and loving. If it's you, not Father. If
2: you, father. Yeah, if but look at what he leader. says. What he says, he says, crying to heaven for vengeance. I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I think we're left to whatever we think of Cordelia is going to determine how she does that. And I think, I think she says it very directly.
4: No, I would agree with that. But
2: probably very gently. She says it spiritually. Yeah. Right. To beat on that right. horse.
4: The papa. That's 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 intimate and loving. That's not nobody else calls him papa.
1: I mean, most people can't, don't even like. The way people refer to other people in this book is really important. Right. Like the chapter where Charles only refers to Celia his as, wife. His, as my, wife. my wife. He can't it, give her name. Isn't it interesting that the father's reaction to Cordelia's
3: words are outsized in the same way that Julia's reaction to Bridie's words are outsized? Huh. And they're both, it seems to me like they're probably both, this is the crisis moment for, at least for Julia, and it looks like we're upon a crisis moment for the father, also. The, the spiritual crisis moment of his life. Of the, of the end of his life.
2: If you weren't a Christian, wouldn't you think this was a really crappy Billy Grand Crusade movie? The, the book? Yeah. Everybody is converted. It's, it's Christian kitsch. That's a, it's a good question.
1: I mean, you have to, if you can't recognize the suffering.
2: He was, he was accused of writing a track.
1: Maybe well, that's why he rewrote a lot of it.
2: What is kitsch, Andrew? Um, a pretty kind of cool word. What's the meaning of that pretty K- kind of cool is, word? Kitsch is, is I, w- I would say kitsch is the, the lamp that is... Like your toenails. That <laughs> is, what? It's
4: like his toenails.
2: Yes, that would be kitsch. K- kitsch is inappropriate, excessive... Um, not here. Here's what kitsch is. It's art in which there's no there there, and it's just an act of expression by the artist so that people notice the artist or the work of art for its own sake. Is
3: kitsch um, melodrama? Is melodrama the sentiment, would be sentimentality? I would be a dramatic. I don't form know how you kitsch. could get sentimentality or kitsch from this book. It's it's a very
2: everybody converts. Isn't that sweet, in the most in the reality? most. Oh, no.
3: Like, difficult of circumstances. Hot. Maybe this is
4: just says uh, something about me, okay? But uh, to me, attract is like trying to sell you on Jesus. Yes, right. right.
3: That's what they accuse the That would be
4: kitsch. But but, then mm-hmm. at the, but, but mm-hmm. nobody gets anything. Nobody's happy. No, nobody, get, you know, like kitsch would be. Well, they convert and then they get married and you get everything and Jesus made everything all right and Sebastian yeah, gets healed of mean. his alcoholism and he comes back and he now he's the heir again and everything. Like, if everything turned out that they the converted and everything was rosy, then I would say it was a trap.
2: Yeah, audience agree with that. They're all stuck having is, to go to heaven.
4: This is not a good salesman <laughs> for Jesus. Like, convert and lose everything. Like the apostles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'd really have to believe, wouldn't you?
4: You'd have to. Yeah.
3: I think, I wonder if you could make the case that if Charles and julia got together during the book maybe they get together after the book who knows but if they got together during the book i think you could make a case that it's a kit, it's a kitsch story it's a melodrama but we don't get that i mean just like Angela i wanted said,
2: it. i wanted them to get together i'm
4: curious though did were y'all disappointed that they didn't get together they didn't get married. yeah that they didn't get married that they broke up like, no, yeah, but you guys are you...
2: all ethicists. You yeah. guys care about moral
3: codes. Really, I just like, wanted them together. I was, I was
1: thinking about this.
3: You want them to get together, get together Kristen? No. She, she didn't. She
2: she, does, she,
4: she did? I'm with you.
2: I didn't want them to get together because I'm in love with Julia. <laughs> I, okay, so... She is about 110 now, but other than that... So, she looks so I
1: was, good. I was actually thinking about this. And I forgot what I was going to say.
3: Oh, yeah. No, it was, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. But I, I, I'm 75% of the, I was 75% of the way there to wanting them to get together, in part because, because of what was left, like, behind, like all the tragedy that was left behind. And he keeps talking about how, he makes this whole big deal about the divorces over these two chapters and how. They're gonna happen. Who's gonna get the kids? And he keeps bringing it back. He gives us the dates, it's like in three months it's gonna happen. Then my divorce happened in three more months. Hers is gonna happen. He keeps talking about. It. He keeps referring to the kids, that he does. And then he comes back to it. He has no relationship with the children. So it's almost like this, like surface level part of me, feels like it at least makes somehow keeps it from everything from being left behind and wasted, and, and like mm-hmm. it, it increases the level of tragedy. I mean, it doesn't really, but like that's my first instinct. Maybe that makes me that's shallow. That's really
2: interesting, because what you make me think there is that this book takes a lot of discipline to finish it attentively, right? You can really delight in sentences. Line after senses. line is yeah. incredible. Yeah, but to follow the character and to follow the plot beginning to end and, and keep paying attention to it. You're disappointed so many times that you really have to work to keep going but it's so beautiful it's not kids the beauty almost
3: pulls you along mm-hmm. it's, it's taking you down the river despite your like hitting rocks about every 15 feet Just and, that, yeah, and going
1: just like to but Charles it kept Charles a part of their lives it kept his story going along the beauty yeah he kept he kept him back to it
2: yeah and and I've read this book I don't even remember how many times now and I love this book you called it heart my book. heart book which is kind of insulting but okay <laughs> heart book I'm just kidding but but um heart book I don't like being labeled but um <laughs> well you're not the book is yeah okay but um it it astounded me going through it With you guys and talking about it, it astounded me how much um, I just completely missed previously in in multiple readings. Because there are parts of this book that are just hard to read. Partly because you're going, why is this even here? Give me to the next part. And partly because some of it just hurts. And you don't want to dwell on it, so you don't remember it. I guess, yeah. I needed you guys to talk to about it so you could console me.
1: In that way, it kind of You're is welcome. like what Adam Andrews talks, you talked today about with The Great Gatsby. And he, we have a, a summer issue of our magazine coming out eventually. And um, in that he has an article that, that we're publishing where he talks about how The Great Gatsby is... It's, it's, it's actually kind of a classical book. On a, It's like a, a classical theme in a modern... Book, and how it is—it's—it's very—it's full of things that we don't want to imitate. Um, but it places us in—you know—it's—it's it's the book for the age that we live in. What was the thing you just said?
2: I wasn't listening.
1: To yourself? Well, you're.
2: I count on you guys doing that.
1: Well, it, you know, the, the idea of being difficult to read, The Greg right, like yeah. that too, yeah. but it's because it tells the truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, you know, that, and Adam Andrews talks about that in the article, so look out for that whenever I, we finish it three months ago.
4: Yeah, we keep going back to this idea of, the, you know, the modern versus the, the medieval, but uh, their divorce was so modern, Right. It just was cut and dry. Celia's fine. The kids are fine. Rex is okay with it. Everybody's okay. The paperwork is okay. There's no obstacles to this love. No outside obstacles to this love, right? And it ends up being Julia saying, I can't set up a rival good to God. Mm-hmm.
2: Did we read that?
4: We did not. We stopped yeah, we right before that.
3: No. no, we cited it a few times. We haven't read it. We didn't read it?
4: What page is it? That's not favorite.
1: Oh, <laughs> skip it then uh, it's three uh, here 20, it is 30. Yeah,
4: just go on alone how can I tell you what I shall do you know the whole of me you know I'm not one for a life of mourning I've always been bad probably I shall be bad again punished again but the worse I am the more I need God I can't shut myself out from his mercy this is what it would mean starting a life with you without him one can only hope to see one step ahead but I saw today there was one thing unforgivable, like things in the schoolroom, so bad they are unpunishable, that only mummy could deal with. The bad thing I was on the point of doing, that I'm not quite bad enough to do, to set up a rival good to gods. Even that is a weird conversion speech. I'm bad, I'm always gonna be bad. <laughs> That's why I need God.
2: Seems like that's just honesty though.
4: It is very honest. I just mean
2: This is this it's is
4: un, it's unexpected it's not how they talk about this. Keep reading name. this
2: though. Keep reading it.
1: Keep reading it. Because this is really what this ending to this paragraph is really important. Why
4: should I be allowed to understand that and not you, Charles? Hmm. It may be because of Mummy, Nanny, Cordelia, Sebastian, perhaps Brighty and Mrs. Musprat keeping my name in their prayers, or it may be a private bargain between me and God, that if I give up this one thing I want so much, however bad I am, he won't quite despair of me in the end. This is very much like um, The End of the Affair. Great,
3: oh, great it is. Yeah. It is.
1: Yeah. Great book, book, by the way. Great book. Maybe we'll get that in reads one day. That's a good idea. I don't know. We might want to limit our English affair novels, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: At least put something a little yeah. lighter in between.
1: But or a, a Russian you know, affair novel. And a enough.: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, it's going to take us three years. She recognizes, though, the power of prayer, to just put it yeah, simply. Yeah.
2: And the mystery, thin- the mystery.
1: The mystery, yeah. Because she's saying, I don't know, but it might be because they've been praying for me. And it's something she seemed to recognize all throughout, that mm. people were praying for her. And it's, it always meant something to her. And it yeah. was one of the things that he could not abide by. He could not abide. But he didn't understand that. That, that was, the, that was the, the magic and the hogwash of it all for him. The idea of prayer. Even okay. though he was praying at the end. You we well, get these little glimpses right. of him praying. And you're yeah. like, bro. Why do you think he doesn't... Why, okay, so she says, why should I be allowed to understand that and not you? Yeah. But he never says... No, 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 I'm beginning to see
2: it. Yeah, I know. Maybe, it's maybe, he, but, but, no, but, but, but he says but he, in
4: the next line, I hope your heart may break, but I do understand.
2: I wondered so, if that was... He's, yeah, yeah. Because she's offered him a few if things we, that he could be responding to there, but, but I, I bet that's it. What but time? he's telling
1: that for the first time in a long time, he's not trying to fight with her. He's not trying to convince her to see things his mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. backs
2: off. Right, right this is also a way that Christianity kind of toys with kitsch to bring that concept back again because if if there's a key sentence to the book it might be but the worse I am the more I need God I can't shut myself up from his mercy but if you take that out of that paragraph that's what every Christian says we're taught to say that and when Sebastian says I'm nothing well you know it's a cliche but when it comes right down to it there's no deeper way to say the truth. You can, you can learn when you're a child that you're nothing. You can learn that you're, when you're a child that you should, you should admit that you need God. But it's only until the words mean something that they really mean something. And so there's no way that you can escape the obviousness of it. And there's no way you can make it a beautiful work of art. It always has to have some sort of ugliness and simplicity to it. And childishness to it That to, a, to an unbeliever probably just looks like unsophisticated bad art. Mumbo-jumbo. 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 Charles Ryder has had to escape from his artistic genius to see the clarity of of the grace of God.
1: Well, I was going to say that mumbo-jumbo would be a good place to stop. I think we've put a bow on it. Should we? take a couple questions if anybody wants to ask. It's a great ask. idea. Is any, you can leave if you want. Um, but maybe a couple of questions and we'll repeat them. I just want to clarify when I said I wanted them to get together. <laughs> the secondary
3: thought was I'm glad they didn't because they would have destroyed each other. Like Anna and Rosby and Anna Karenina. Do you think they would have... So mm-hmm. Kristen said yeah. uh, I want to clarify that I wanted them to get together, but I didn't want them to get together because they would have destroyed each other like Anna and Vronsky and Anna Karenina. She wanted
1: them to, but was glad they didn't.
3: I was glad they didn't.
2: That's would why you movies have wanted them to end
3: when they get together. Would you have wanted them to get together at the end of the book, at the end of the epilogue, but not at the end of the, of whatever it is, chapter five? Another
1: decade later. I think not knowing what happened after the epilogue is very good. Yeah. Yeah, the stasis. Yeah, not knowing is yeah, very you good.
4: Feel like he's given up everything for God, like she did, right? And even if you know t- he's only thirty-nine, even if somewhere down the road, and you know, they find their way back to each other, that can't be there? the condition. That can't be the condition of it, right? In their free. Yeah.
0: But
4: before that, they would have destroyed each other. I mean, I don't have the sense from the book that they are going to get
3: together.
5: Me neither. No.
3: But it's at least a can... possibility, and it's a and it's. A possibility that it seems to me like has hope.
4: But I mean, that wasn't going to be an obstacle. Oh, they weren't going well, to in the first place. That's a
2: great point. Oh, yeah. She they
1: said they couldn't
3: marry.
2: They're the barred. barred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she. she? because
4: he's not converted, but because she. He, he, is so you, really committed. So you, uh, but they could have gotten an annulment. Yeah, but. What said.
1: Said, repeat, what yeah, to. To. repeat what she said. Repeat
3: what she said.
4: You could have got oh, but she said yeah. oh that the 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 issue is that they can't be married in the church, and that she thinks
5: she's I committed not, to the sacrament. I
4: had not thought of that, but that the reason she walks away from Charles is not because he's unconverted, but because they cannot have the sacrament.
5: And of
1: course, the sacrament comes up at the time when the the priest puts the chrism. Right. You know.
4: Right. Oh, I had not even thought of that. I think that's absolutely right. That's a great point. That's a great point because it's the sacrament of the holy unction, the last rites that would make her start thinking about sacraments and that she wants them.
1: Mm-hmm. This, I mean, the sacraments have always been on the edge of her, con- like they're always on the edge of her consciousness. She's constantly, yeah, ever since she was very young, just as they were Sebastian's, and she has always been on the edge that she's never been able to exactly take real true action on things because it's like they're hanging over her in a way and then they, they come into focus, like their purpose seems to come into focus at the end and her commitment yep. to them. Yeah, They're more than just like a ghost they're ghostly or something. Hmm.
0: it says she has to give up what she loves the most because she wants him to put God first.
4: That, that in the last paragraph that you wrote inside you read it says, um, "If I give up this one thing that I want so much, however bad I am, He won't quite despair of me." So she has to put God first and not Charles. So, yeah, but in her mind, and I,
3: am going to say this. we need to repeat. We need to repeat yeah. this. Oh, okay
2: it's your job this time
4: oh no I did, I did the last
2: one so oh she had to put god first and not charles and so it's not an issue of
4: the sacrament could, yeah, was, but i would think and i'm not a roman catholic so someone can beat me in the hall later if i get strong but uh i would think that's one and the same thing
3: i think that's what Jared's point is that's what that's what correct it's one and the same thing yeah see she said
0: living in sin, because if she is married to him under any circumstance, or even continues her relationship not being married, that she is permanently in that sin, Yeah, that's right.
4: So if she enters a non-sacramental marriage with Charles, she's trapped in it forever, yeah, so she's and it would be repent. choosing that love See, over God. if you sin,
0: but then repent,
4: and turn away from the sin, you can be absolved, you can be forgiven, but if you... It's not picking it up.
2: Repeating the sin over
4: and over and over and over and and unable to... Well, no, it would be like Jesus says you're committing adultery with the second wife. Same. It's like when Jesus says if you, you know, he's married, the the divorced woman, you're committing adultery with her, right? So even though, so if they were married legally but not sacramentally married, they would still be trapped in the sin.
2: She cannot, she cannot marry Charles in Christ... If, if she had not already married somebody else who had been divorced and step set herself outside of Christ, which is outside the church is outside of Christ, um, If she had, if she was single, and Charles was not divorced, then in Christ she could marry Charles. And there'd be no question of, of, of choosing one or the other because she can choose him in Christ. But as it is, she cannot have him in Christ.
4: Am I remembering correctly that at the end of this book, she's still married to Rex? Mm.
3: Their divorce went through, I think. Was was three, through. I thought they it
1: was said three months something. Away. I
3: thought they We're said something about... We're just presuming oh, it was the followed through. through.
2: The love story between Julia and Rex. Love, love story of Rex and Julia. Let's make a movie. No, 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 let's but, call it the no. like
4: she didn't divorce him, but not that they're living as husband and wife.
2: No, but, but he's going to get converted. They're going to be happy, and it's all going to work out well. And he's going to have a big empire in the British Colorado, business let's let's in the 60s. Let's Do one more question. Yeah, let's, let's do one more, and then you can send the
1: rest of your questions in on Facebook. Or not. Yeah, Brandon. Answer this question of Christian Did this try yeah. So he's asking so Christian Kitch whether this book is a tract. Yes. right? right no
4: happy that ending. Here that they're all in misery at the end. It's all suffering. And without that... No, without she was. Direct, grace, so she's it's the bad. end of uh, the fall. If none of them have grace. Like the grace of Christ, it's just, it's just
5: misery for everyone. Because they keep it. Like it redeems the suffering? Yeah, so it's, 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 it's the secular version.
1: Yeah, Brandon's saying that there's a secular version
2: of it. That yeah, a but do you, you remember before. the second? Do you remember the very last sentence of the book? He's happy? You're looking unusually cheerful today. Yeah, but, still
1: yeah. Yeah, but this is by Charles' <laughs> standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's unusually cheerful. But, but you're saying the leg of Yeah, he's
4: still suffering. He's still without the only one he's ever truly
5: loved. He's still without the only friend he ever really had He's still
1: suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charles is
2: suffering. Yeah, no further. I homeless, single. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a question homeless. of whether or not whether or not
3: redeemed suffering results in happiness and at least momentarily for Charles the answer is yes. Whether or not it does long term is
2: another happiness. question. Happiness, joy. happiness is joy.
1: Happiness is a loaded a suffering idea. idea.
2: Yeah. The flame. The flame is burning now even though even though it's a terrible lamp the flame is burning sorry go go ahead so she says she wasn't happy the
4: i the way it yeah god wins in the end yeah. What do you mean when you say you didn't like the way it Like you didn't like that they all converted? Or you didn't like that they all got attracted <laughs> No, just the opposite. You said just the
3: opposite. So, yeah,
4: clarify, like the, the, the you wanted Charles and Julia to be together? Thank you for admitting that. The rest of y'all are like,
3: no, never adultery. Yeah.
4: Come on.
1: Hey, I said part <laughs> of me wanted it.
4: Yes. Okay, it's, it's to clarify my whole That's thing. It's like, I'm not fair. over here all like rah rah adultery. My, my point is that I feel like the author has to sort of make you long for things to feel what they're giving up, right? Like, if you're just like, ah, what a train wreck, y'all better off alone, then what's the, it's no sacrifice. But if you're like, oh, then you feel, right? You feel the pain. So I don't think it's wrong to admit that you sort of want them to be together. But then you're also like, no, this is better. Well, I mean,
1: we said earlier, Dad said it, there's something. Beautiful and about right. their, their romance or something. I don't know. If desire. you don't,
4: if you're not drawn to it in some way, it's not a it's not sacrifice a good, yeah. that they're not walking away note, from. Right, it. right,
2: right. You you, you said that, that God wins and that should end the conversation. What did you mean by that should end the conversation?
1: You're not to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well. I just
4: realized you were wearing a Flannery O'Connor
1: t shirt. Yeah. All four, yeah. four of them. Stand up. All four oh, of them. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Did you bring us? Let's one? see it. Let's see it.
1: <gasps>
3: four? What? Come on, now hold, this, hold oh, this. We have four this. listeners that were all wearing Flannery
1: O'Connor shirts. That's
3: fantastic.
1: awesome. So, we're going to need to get a photo of that. Like yes! we got to get a photo with us and them. But
3: also, why would you not would bring it? Yeah, Dr. Wood, you got to get the photo. Did you bring a t shirt for Ralph Wood? I got a picture with
4: Ralph Okay, that's like Dr. Wood, is your is your
1: day. Casual wardrobe exclusively Flannery O'Connor t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> or do I just you also want to have? want
4: know, though. Like, where else on earth would you go that, like, four hot chicks in Flannery O'Connor t-shirts <laughs> no, are like bombing you? Six like, really? Conference. This is well,
1: amazing. Okay. So we really do need to wrap this up. Normally, <laughs> normally, and that's probably a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's the second. Rule. Is hot <laughs> chicks
2: is is Come hot chicks still a term people
1: recording. use? Do now people I'm going to still get say hot chick? For
4: being a sexist, but come on, we all want to be hot chicks. Normally, chimes. normally I would
1: ask these people what their final thoughts oh, are. Oh, good, but that's good. David. I want to get a final thought from Greg Wilber and who has taught this book six times and read it many times. So I'd love to what? get a little clap
3: and tell us we're all Greg Can we get it on my mic? Can we get it on my mic?
1: If I had actually spent any time thinking about the audience during this episode, then I would have kept thinking, "Man, we're talking like we know something in front of a guy who's taught this book to college students." No, I, six I hours. want
4: the next book we read to be something that was just published and no one can be an expert on. it. <laughs> 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 this is super intimidating.
5: This has been a great conversation. The book in this. the Born series. Right, now, yeah. Now, one of the things that, uh, that that strikes me so much in um, in, in rereading this and and uh, one of the times I was going to teach this, I was not going to reread it. it's like I read this enough time I, I started it it's like this is too beautiful and and like you said, it just pulls you along he, It's so indelibly marked in your memory as you reread it, and I hope you will reread it at some point the scenes um, the the conversations the wording. Um, he pulls you along, and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's an old friend. As you reread it, and as you continue, like Andrew said, as you continue to get more and more out of it, the more, uh, the more that you read it. It's a beautiful story, and one of the reasons why it's so beautiful is it's slow, mm-hmm. and it takes so long to develop, and the patience that it requires to walk through all the bumps and the bruises along the way, and then to see the beauty of God's grace breaking through in, in such a glorious way.
1: I'm glad I asked you to do that. <laughs> well, that's, that's it, I guess. Um, send in your questions on Facebook, those of you who are here and those of you who are there listening on your iPhones or computers or wherever. Um, thanks to School A Academy and Classical Academic Press for sponsoring. Uh, you can learn more about Tim's classes over at scholeacademy.com. Those will be this fall, so look that up quickly. If you have, need a last-minute option, there's four good classes there for you, ninth through 12th grade, right? That's right. All right. Um, I guess that's it, right?
4: Well, thank you guys for, for yeah, coming. So, <laughs> I know, that I, I know some of you saw that I posted on the Facebook page that I would cry if there were only five people. So for those of you listening, there were seven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, so we we'll, just made it. We'll close it out the real way here. For Angelina Stanford, for Tim McIntosh, for Andrew Kern, and for our live studio audience, and for Greg Wilber. I'm David Curran saying farewell on Close Trees on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network. Talk to you next time.
4: And then you say, bye guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bye Bye guys. Bye
4: guys.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,